Hello, hello. Levels. Levels seem good. Um, so it is. Episode 68, here we go. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that hasn't changed its shirt in two weeks because we've been stuck in big head mode. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is usually my brother Peter, but he has called in sick. So here I am doing a solo show. Um, there's, I didn't want to skip this show because he called in sick because we have so much news to cover. I mean, a ton of news. And uh, I didn't want to, like, really uh, give you, lose a week on you guys with the amount of content that I had to cover. And uh, we have to adjust the list for the week. Um, but I will, uh, I'll explain that um, as we get farther on into the show, uh, what our lit plan is for the week in terms of lists. Um, so first off, watching and a reading category. Well... If you were with us last week, or if you were at least breathing last week, uh, you know for a fact that Disney Plus has launched, and it is um, crazy popular. Uh, we all knew that we were going to get a ton of uh, viewers to Disney Plus and subscribers to that. Disney knew this going in. There were some issues right away when it launched, uh, issues of complaints of crashing, but you know, when you have the amount of people trying to get on right away... Um, and when you get when you have enough people, as many people as they had trying to log in at the same time, you're going to have server issues and people complaining about that is, I think, kind of irrelevant. I think it's kind of um, arrogant of them to not understand that that's the case. But hey, you know what? I think they got all the bugs out because I haven't had one Disney Plus problem. Um, with that being said, uh, real quick, this is one piece of news I want to throw in just now because why not? Um, Disney surpassed 10 million subscribers in its first day despite the tech problems that affected the service um, throughout the day. So mad props to Disney for getting that many subscribers immediately. That's huge for them. Um, and uh, so I want to talk about a couple things I did watch. Um, we're going to be doing a little more Disney Plus stuff going in the forward in the future in terms of things that uh, we're viewing, um, only because there's so much original content there and it's taken a lot to pick through. Um, so I'm going to talk about two things that I did watch that I think are noteworthy. Um, because of Disney Plus, I didn't have a lot of time to read things. Um, so I've been actually, I'm reading a book at work. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies, and I mentioned it before a couple weeks back, is a movie called Out of Sight. Um, I love that movie so much. I've seen it uh, tons and tons of times. It's one of those feel-good, it's, I don't want to call it a feel-good movie, but it makes me feel better when I watch it. So um, I've actually been watching it a bunch lately just because it's been on HBO. But I've never read the novel uh, by Elmore Leonard. It's, it's, he, he's one of those writers that if you can land a role in an Elmore Leonard movie, um, it's always good for your career. And, uh, there's been only four of his books have been turned into movies. I think they've all been pretty solid movies. Um, a couple of them didn't get the best reviews, but overall they've been pretty good, but I've never read the novel to out of sight. So I picked it up and I've been reading through it so far. It's pretty cool. I'm enjoying the scenes from the film more than I am all the extra stuff that didn't make the movie. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. So Disney Plus. Uh, because of the Disney Plus, I've been reading a lot, but I have watched a couple things, so here we go. First off, we talked about it a long time ago when they announced it, and that's the movie Noel, which is a Anna Kendrick, Bill Hader Christmas movie. We didn't know much of it before. Um, it's on Disney Plus, so I did watch it. It is a fan, it's one of those family-friendly Christmas movies. It's Disney Plus, so of course it is. But this movie actually kind of surprised me. Um, so Anna Kendrick plays the daughter of Santa Claus. So Santa has two kids, a son and a daughter, and they all live at the North Pole. And you get to see the you get to see the uh, how do I want to word it? The society that exists at the North Pole probably better than any Christmas movie. I mean, I know the Santa Claus really showed you the society of the North Pole and like the inner workings of the Elves Christmas shop and stuff when you watch the Santa Claus films. But this was like a really interesting one in terms of uh, how 
our society has evolved with technology and just the way things work at the North Pole was really clever to see. Um, the the stuff that took place at the North Pole is really funny. There's a lot of big name actors that just came in to play elves. And uh, it really made me laugh when I saw some names, some faces, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's in that movie and she's in this movie. And it was really kind of clever. They, so anyway, I don't want to like spoil the movie, but basically like Santa Claus passes away and it's time for his son to become the new Santa Claus, but he doesn't have the knack for it the way that she does. And I mean, it's, you kind of see it coming really early on. So this isn't really, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's in your face, but in a weird kind of way, she becomes the new Santa Claus, which is really cool and it makes sense and it's understandable and you, you watch the movie and you know, it's just how it is. It's it's just a really fun movie. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. It made me cry a couple times. Uh, so uh, check out Noel. If, you have, if you're a Disney Plus subscriber and after seeing that 10 million users, um, I don't know how you're not a uh, subscriber yet. But uh, yeah, so check out Noel. It's really good, especially with the holidays right around the corner. Everyone should give this a shot. Um, the other thing on Disney Plus that I want to talk about that I, I can't not talk about. I really wish that uh, Peter was here with me to have an actual conversation about this. But this is such a show that I need to discuss because I haven't really had a lot of talking opportunities to talk to anyone. So as my listen, listening audience, you get to hear some thoughts about this. And that is the show The Mandalorian. Um, this was a flagship show for Disney+. Plus. This was a show that they had to have out immediately for them. Um, they knew there was a demand for this. They knew that this was... Disney knew that they had to deliver in this front. Uh, they could not have put a better team together than Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau. Um, and from concept to idea to what I got to see at Star Wars Celebration to what we got to see final product. The show is incredible. Every moment of the show feels like one of the Star Wars feature films, which is what we want from a live action Star Wars film. There are so many Easter eggs and nuggets that I'd love to go into that I picked up on. Um, just watching the background, seeing props, seeing you know character, uh, Not I don't want to say characters because I don't want to say there's cameos so much as seeing some of the alien species in the background that um, if you watch the newer movies like Force Awakens and Last Jedi and Rogue One and stuff, you don't see, there's some aliens that it took, that you saw in the original series um, in 4, 5, and 6 that you actually get to see again that we haven't seen in years. So there was some really cool background stuff, and if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to pick up on it. If you're just an average Star Wars fan and you just like the stories, everything about this is visually pleasing. The writing is so good. It's just really incredible how it goes through. Um, for a character that doesn't talk much, it's really solid. And um, I was really just overall impressed with the whole thing. Uh, there's two episodes out right now. By the time this episode's, by the time this show drops, there's going to be a couple more episodes of The Mandalorian out. So um, one of the characters who currently is being referred to as Baby Yoda makes an appearance. This is a that's a huge spoiler if you have not watched The Mandalorian yet. But he, uh, they have said that baby, there is going to be no Baby Yoda merchandise um, this holiday season because they couldn't. They had to keep the character secret so they couldn't tell anyone about that character. So um, that uh, that's basically how that happens. So there'll be Baby Yoda stuff at some point, but not right now. Uh, so I hope you weren't looking for any Baby Yoda um, merchandise for your Christmas stocking or your Christmas tree or anything like that. However, I know once it comes out, I'll be getting myself a hand on it. And to be honest, it's not Baby Yoda. So if you're all confused about internet memes and uh, people talking around, it's not actually a baby version of the character we know and love because this takes place after that character's passing. If you've never seen Star Wars, that's a spoiler. But at this point in the Star Wars timeline, Yoda is no longer alive and this character is only called Baby Yoda because we as fans, as viewers, as anyone who's ever considered Star Wars a thing, don't know what to call it yet. <laughs> so um, that's all we can call it. It's just Baby Yoda for now uh, until we get a name attached to it. But The Mandalorian, is it's just such a good show. The second episode 
was just as good as the first, but one of the things that made me laugh wholeheartedly is um, there's a species of aliens in the series called Jawas, and if you're listening to the show, you know what a Jawa is. Uh, they ride around in this giant thing called a sand crawler, and they pick up scrap robot parts and scrap metal. They're basically scrappers, and uh, they try and resell them. The as fans, we always laugh at the Jawas because to us Jawas, you know, in a way, Jawas are kind of useless. They're funny. They're just kind of there. They're part of the world. Um, but I don't know of a Star Wars fan who hasn't thought to themselves what it would be like to slaughter Jawas. There's the scene in uh, Star Wars uh, New Hope where some Jawas are slaughtered and someone questions why would anyone want to do that. And you, you watch this episode and you're like, absolutely, that's why everyone would want to do that. But watching the Mandalorian attack the sand crawler the roaming like fortress that the the, the giant tank like fortress that they have and scale it and try and fight the Jawas single-handedly that was clearly Dave Filoni and John Favreau playing with their action figures and knowing this is what I did when I was a kid we have to do this on the show it was so much fun to watch just being a fan and enjoying that sequence um so just absolutely astounding so nice work thank you guys for what you're doing over there keep up the great work i can't wait for more mandalorian um we can talk more mandalorian ad nauseum as the show progresses so i hope the fans don't you know want to not hear us talk about star wars because we want to talk about things we like uh but that being said let's shift from watching and reading and jump over to news because like i said ton of stuff so first off i'm going to knock some of these smaller ones out um, and we'll go from there. So first off, um, a while back we talked about Netflix releasing a Rocco's Modern Life movie, and they released a Invader Zim movie. Now, Rocco's Modern Life and Invader Zim are both television series from Nickelodeon. Um, they were both fantastic. Uh, if you haven't watched them, I know, I don't know if Invader Zim as the show as a whole is on Netflix, but the movie itself is. And um, I'd have to double-check that with Rocco's Modern Life. Regardless um, of that, they, they made the movies, um, and I'm a big Vader Zim fan, so the news I'm about to give you I think is really cool. It's basically a deal has been struck with Netflix and Nickelodeon, uh, a multi-year deal to produce new animated movies and shows with existing Nickelodeon characters. So... Basically, that means we're probably going to get more Rocco's Modern Life. We're probably going to get more Invader Zim, whether that's a show or more movies. And we could probably they could start tapping into other Nickelodeon properties and have some new television series or um, uh, movies. But for anything that was canceled that you're like, man, I wish they'd bring that back. Um, you know, Netflix is definitely a place where they can do that. So that I thought was really exciting. Um, next piece of news. So... <sighs> It was either last week or the week before. Jennifer Aniston has joined an Instagram, and she posted a photo of her with the Friends cast that they are working on a super secret project. Um, but they didn't want to say what it was. Well, we all want a Friends reunion. Um, I don't know if it's just we want the actors to get back together and work, or if it's we want the, uh, or do we want the actors to do an actual Friends reunion? Um, so. It's been it, it's official now um, that they are reportedly uh, are in talks for an unscripted reunion on HBO Max. So here's the downside. First off, it's going to be on the streaming service HBO Max. That is Warner Brothers cashing in, going, "We are definitely going to make money because everyone's going to want to see the Friends reunion." Okay, then um, so we have that. But it's also um, an unscripted Friends reunion. Now, when you have like, when you have some uh, really good actors come together and understand how improv works and understand how um, the concept of this of everything they need to do. Um, let me rephrase this: If when you have actors that are really good at improv and understand the thinking on the fly and understanding how an unscripted event works. Um, you can pull something like this off. To do an unscripted reunion makes me think we're only going to get one episode and they're going to have an outline of what they want and then it's going to be like, you know what, you played these characters for as long as you did, you know how it works, go. Um, which makes me think that it could be live audience. Um, there is a, uh, Friends is legendary for their live audience recordings. They 
would do things where the writers would write the show, they'd do a live audience, and when I say legendary for their recordings, some of their recordings, rumor has it, or legend has it, that their recordings would last up to 24 hours. And as an audience member, it was your choice if you wanted to come or go. But they would be doing the show for that long because if a line didn't work, the writer would fix it on the spot and then say, okay, try it this way. And you'd get to see multiple, multiple takes. When you look at uh, Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff and, like, you know, Marvel releases their next movie and they have a gag reel on there, I'm sorry, Marvel, you do not know how to make a gag reel for anything because they're horrible gag reels. If you go watch the gag reels on the Friends DVDs, those are real gag reels. Those are actual outtakes. Those are actual things of the actors screwing up and messing around on set. And they're really, they're almost, the gag reels on, the the Friends gag reels are almost as funny as the show themselves, if not funnier. Um, But as a live audience member, you probably got to see a lot of those because they, uh, because you were a part of the, oh, that line doesn't work, try it again. And or try this line, that kind of thing. So as a friends reunion, I'm really excited about this because I'm a fan. But at the same time, it makes me wonder um, how they're going to handle it if it's act- if it's truly unscripted. But we'll see when we get closer. And it's going to make me have to find some way to watch HBO Max. So hopefully, because I'm an HBO subscriber, I get the free deal. Um, okay, moving on. Um, so. There is, uh, does everyone remember the Beverly Hills Cop movie? Um, I do. Beverly Hills Cop was great. Beverly Hills Cop 2, 3. Uh, 3 is not good per se, and there's a lot of plot holes, but I do remember enjoying the third Beverly Hills Cop. Um, Well, apparently Netflix has obtained the right to make a fourth Beverly Hills Cop movie, and Eddie Murphy is returning to star in it. That's it. I honestly don't know if we need this, but this is a world where things just, yeah, if you want to make money, let's just see what else we can bring back. And that's just how the world works now. So, okay, great. And that's really all I can say about that one. Um, let's see here. I do I want to separate a couple of things because of Marvel and DC. There's some big things I need to just mention. So moving down the list, we have uh, The Witcher. Um, the Netflix had acquired the rights to do The Witcher television series. Um, they said that they, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that, uh, the Witcher, the, the showrunners and the creators want seven seasons for the show, which is awesome, which means they have, um, they have planned out seven seasons of story for us. And that's really exciting. And I like knowing that because that means they've technically planned an ending. So that means that we're going to get a cohesive story. Now that ending could change. There could be some fan backlash there could be some fan praise it'll make them do things differently with certain characters but overall it sounds like they have a planned out story which is what we all technically want so um but the witcher news that i'm mentioning here is season one hasn't released yet it releases in december uh i don't remember the date i want to say it's the third but i could be wrong um the only reason that date stick in my mind is because i know marvelous miss Maisel releases on amazon december 6th so, like I said, I could be wrong there. But um, The Witcher, um, season one hasn't released yet, and they've already renewed for season two, which means the show is good enough that Netflix has faith in what it's going to do. So let's, uh, let's release it, let's, let's release it, and let's already renew a season two. Awesome. So, um, okay, that's Marvel news. I'm going to hold off on that for a minute. Um, scrolling through this, uh, Nicolas Cage, let's talk about this. So this is a weird movie, but I really think I have to see this movie. So Nicolas Cage is reportedly in talks to star in a movie where he portrays himself called the unbearable weight of massive talent. So the movie is titled the unbearable weight of massive talent and he's playing himself. So I looked this up and if I understand this correctly, Nicolas Cage today is going to realize that people have been kind of laughing about his acting ability and the movies he's in, and is going to get an opportunity to tell his past self about the future of these horrible movies that he's about to be in. This sounds like the most meta, bizarre um, movie idea ever, but I don't think there's an actor on the planet 
that has the body of work compared to Nicolas Cage that um, we that could handle something like this. Absolutely incredible, really funny. Uh, so let's see what happens. Um, I I think I'm gonna have to watch that movie when it finally comes out, just because of the the, the idea of that concept. And it's weird too, so we'll see what happens. Um, the next piece of news um, that I want to bring up is uh, there is. Um, uh, does everyone okay? If you've been watching American Horror Story, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of American Horror Story. And then the offshoot of that was American Crime Story. And the first season of American Crime Story was uh, um, the People vs. O.J. Simpson, which won tons and tons of Emmys. So much well-deserved. I lived through the O.J. Simpson stuff uh, when the trial was happening for real, but getting to watch it in the format of American Crime Story. And this is something that uh, I speak true of to how this show, something this show has for itself is it's a true story that we've already lived through. So all the opinions are done with. All that's left is fact. So everything I thought about at the time is irrelevant because I'm going to watch this show and they don't have, they can't give me opinions. All they can give me is fact and I get to take it for exactly what it is. It's very black and white. It can't be diluted by the news. It can't be altered. It can't be changed. There's no fake news aspect to it. This is legitly what happened fact. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why OJ succeeded the way it did. Um, aside from the fact that the acting was phenomenal, the writing was phenomenal, all that stuff. The second season of American Crime Story, they did the assassination of Versace. I'm not a big... I was not a big fan of the second season. I really actually fell off the wagon and stopped watching only because I felt that with the pacing, I didn't like... The pacing was just too slow. I couldn't keep up with it. I really... Like, it just couldn't handle it. And, um... And I looked at it and I thought to myself, this... I can't handle this, so I'm gonna skip it for now. But... What, what I did see of it, the acting was top-notch, the writing was top-notch, it just wasn't holding my attention. What has my attention now, as we all know, if you're watching the news, or even if you watch the news badly, we all know about the impeachment stuff going on with our current president. So, and I know this drove the decision-making for this, but American Crime Story on FX is rounding out the cast for next seasons, which is going to be about the Bill Clinton impeachment. Um... That just sounds awesome. Um, again, this is a story I lived through, but in terms of like impeachment rules, like a lot of people think that when the president gets impeached, he's immediately out, and that's just how it goes. That's not how it works. Um, there's a lot of trial aspect to it. Just because you've impeached someone doesn't mean they're out of office. Um, and that's and it gets really technical, but this is not a political show, and I'm not going to go into it, even though I did like do a little bit of research. So. Um, so I'm going to look up the cast here real quick um, and see um, if they have, let's see, do they have the next season posted on IMDb? Because that's ultimately what we want, and I don't see it here. So it looks like IMDb doesn't have it yet, which is okay. Um, maybe I'll get lucky because I'm clicking on season three because they have it. Um, Hmm, nope, it doesn't look like it. They don't have... Okay, so American Crime Story does not have a lot of stuff posted right now for Season 3 on IMDb, and I'm going to have to do some actual digging before I like give some news. But it looks like Clive Owen is set to play Bill Clinton. That's one thing I can tell you. I think that's a really interesting choice and very cool at the same time. I really like Clive Owen, so let's see what happens. But that's a story that I lived through. That's a story that my parents were really weirded out about because they had to explain stuff to us uh, when we were growing up that they don't think they wanted to tell us right away. Um, and if you're a parent, if you're a parent who uh, knows, if, if you've lived through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. But um, yeah, so I think seeing some of the legal stuff and how an impeachment is going to work really would be kind of interesting, even though they're two different cases, they're two different reasons why the presidents are being impeached. But Bill Clinton was impeached and he didn't leave office. And that's important to say when you think about what's going on now. Okay, political stuff aside, regardless, I'm excited for the next season of American Crime Story. Sounds really cool. Um, so, time to talk some comic book news. Um, so, first off, uh, comic book news. We have, um, this is kind of a little bit of both, Marvel and DC, and then I'm going to separate the two companies because we have some stuff to talk about on both fronts. 
So first off, um, Avengers Endgame directors, the, um, the Russo brothers, are producing a docu-series about the Marvel versus DC rivalry. Um, this sounds awesome, but I feel like it's a little one-sided in terms of opinion, and that's only because the Russos directly worked for Marvel. Um, I'm okay. I would love to see a docu-series about this. Um, I hope it's not just movie-driven, and I hope it's about the comic industry as well, because you know they're the two pillars of comics. There's plenty of independent comics out there and independent comic book companies, but DC and Marvel are the two big pillars, and they're kind of like the the gold standard, I guess you could say. So when you think about a docu-series about their rivalry, hopefully this docu documentary digs into the comic book side of things and why certain things happen. Like um like when uh Thanos, I'm sorry, when Darkseid was created and then Jim Starlin go from Marvel's uh Darkseid it was created over at DC and then Jim Starlin over at Marvel goes, "Hey, that's a really cool idea" and rips off the character and creates Thanos. I you know what? I know there's someone who made a face at me saying that, but Jim Starlin has admitted that he ripped off Darkseid to create Thanos. So it's a known thing. Co the companies as a whole have ripped each other off back and forth time and again. It happens. So, you know, we can't just fault one for the other. But um, I just hope that it's not one-sided because the guys work for Marvel. Otherwise, I'm all for this because I think it'd be really cool because there might be some really cool behind-the-scenes things with Stan, uh, Steve Ditko, uh, Neil Adams, you're going to get to see some, you know, Jim Lee, because Jim Lee basically became famous because of X-Men. That's what made him a household name, and now he's one of the editor-in-chiefs over at DC Comics. So there's a, there's a big cross there, and you can kind of see how that goes. So, um, yeah, that's uh, the idea is just really cool. So hopefully it's available somewhere, and I don't have to go digging through, like, multiple streaming wars nonsense. Um, okay, so let's talk about Marvel first. Yeah, let's talk about Marvel first because I have a bunch to say about certain items on this list regarding DC. So first off, Marvel has um, their What If series. It's a animated series that's going to be on uh, Disney+. Plus, and um, it's basically like, a, if you've seen clips of it, it's like, what if Peggy Carter was Captain America? What if... Um, Iron Man was Star-Lord. What if... And there's basically like all these characters being replaced by other characters and you're seeing a what-if animated story. They're bringing the actual actors in to voice their characters, so you're getting actual actors voicing the characters. The footage that they've released is really cool. If you go on Disney Plus right now, there's a 12-minute uh, uh, thing called Expanding the Universe, and it's all about the Disney Plus content you're going to get. And it's a really cool little, like, documentary kind of thing that shows you all the shows like Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision and all that stuff. And they bring the actors out and talk. They're just showing concept art. They're not showing any footage that we haven't already seen. But they show a lot of actual animated footage from this What If show because they want to tell you about what it is. So the news here is that Robert Downey Jr. is returning to voice Iron Man in that series. So it's not like you're getting a voice actor to play it. So Robert Downey Jr. is still there playing Iron Man, which I think is awesome. Uh, the other piece of Marvel news here is The Eternals. Um, this only caught my attention because I'm such a big Game of Thrones fan. Um, Rami uh, Dejanan, Dej Dejwadi, I think that's it. <laughs> so... Uh, Ramin Dejwadi, I think that's how you say his name. I feel bad that I butchered it the first two times I said it. Uh, he's the composer of the Game of Thrones theme that we all know and love. Um, and uh, I've seen him and his orchestra in concert live, and it's amazing. Um, such cool, cool stuff. Um, and it's it was just a fun treat to watch. But uh, he has been brought on to compose the theme for Eternals, so hopefully we get some really cool... Um, theme that we can't get out of our head because that Game of Thrones theme is still rattles around in my brain on occasion. Um, the big part of Marvel news here that we need to discuss is the following. There is a huge update to the Marvel lineup. They've added five untitled movies to their schedule. Um, so, and they've adjusted things with, um, that need to be brought up. So we have, for example, uh, this is the Marvel list in the order of release starting May 1st, 2020. 
The first thing out will be Black Widow, followed by the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Disney Plus series, then the Eternals, then Chang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings, then we get WandaVision, the television series, followed by Doctor Strange to uh, Multiverse of Madness. What I like about this schedule is you're getting Black Widow is a movie, followed by the Falcon and Winter Soldier a series, and then the Eternals in the fall. So it's like Black Widow happens, and then you're getting a television show and a movie, and then you get one more movie, and then... Oh no, I'm sorry, my bad. So you're going to get two movies and a television series in the one year. The following year, 2020, you're going to get WandaVision, or Shang-Chi and the Legend of Five Rings early, then WandaVision, then Doctor Strange, um, uh, and then Loki, um, and then Spider-Man 3. So we're getting a lot of stuff right in 2021. Um, it's going to be, let's see, wow. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we're getting eight things in 2021, and they are the following. Shang-Chi, WandaVision, uh, the television series, Doctor Strange, the movie, or Doctor Strange 2, Loki, the series, Spider-Man 3, the movie, the What If animated series, Hawkeye, the animated series, and Thor, Love and Thunder, the movie. That's a lot in 2021. Then, in 2022, we're getting an untitled MCU movie. Okay. We're going to get Black Panther 2 after that. Then you're going to get another untitled MCU movie. We don't know what those untitleds are yet. That's fine. But here's what's interesting. Here are movies that are announced that don't have release dates yet. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, we knew was coming. Captain Marvel 2, we all knew it was coming because of box office dollars. Blade, they announced it at Comic-Con, we know. Fantastic Four, that's the big one for me, is Fantastic Four is listed on the MCU docket without with no release date. Then you have Miss Marvel, which is different from Captain Marvel, um, Moon Knight, and then She-Hulk. So Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk are going to have their own television series on Disney+, and then they're getting their own movie releases on the big screen. Um, those are some big deals there, um, and it was definitely worth noting, and I like bringing up when they release the slate of what the plans are. Um, I like knowing that going in. So, um, so we'll see how that happens. Okay, time to talk some DC news, and then I'm going to move on to our list tonight. So first off, um, the Black Adam movie. Um, Black Adam, uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson is playing Black Adam. That was a thing from a long, long, long time ago, and I think a lot of us forgot that there's a Black Adam movie coming. So The Rock is playing Black Adam. Um, it's officially going to be released December 22nd, 2021. We have a release date now. That means they have to be filming it, and that's the only thing I could take from that is that they're filming it. So um, I think that's exciting news. I think it's going to be great to see it. I wonder if we're going to get a Black Adam before. I, I wonder if we're going to get Black Adam without any word of Shazam. I have no idea. Like I would like to see them together, but do we need a Black Adam first so we understand the character and then put him with Shazam? Um, we'll see. Um, but we're got a release date so we know it's actually coming um now let's talk about the joker this is awesome news for the joker and i think it's weird news and i have to like really kind of put my opinions on this one so the awesome news is that the joker i mentioned has um become the highest grossing r-rated film of all time congrats to the joker it is now the first r-rated film to ever reach a billion dollars so again congrats to the joker that's awesome this is where I think it's kind of, I don't know how to take this news. So the Joker, director Todd Phillips, is in talks to potentially make a Joker 2. All right, so I'm going to read this here real quick. Um, Ever since the film blew away box office predictions, earned acclaimed on the festival circuit, and has been praised across the globe, people have been wondering about their sequel for Joker. And while Joaquin Phoenix has seemed open to the possibility of returning, the film's director has not been receptive to the idea of making Joker 2. But in a recent interview, it seems as though Todd Phillips may be coming around to the idea. He said, and I quote, So many movies are about the spark, and this one is about the powder. If you could capture that again in a real way, that would be interesting. 
Now, I take that quote kind of what I think what I don't like about that quote is that it's very open-ended like he's not officially telling you that he is directing it. Um, it sounds like he's technically interested, but it has to be done super right. It's nice that Joaquin Phoenix wants to do another one or is interested in potentially doing another one. My personal problem with this is Joker was such an incredible movie that I fear that you're not going to capture that again. And I worry that now it'd be watered down to the sense of, I don't think you could do a Joker movie without the Batman a second time. You need other characters. You need to see the progression. Um, I think you'd have to have Batman in the second Joker film for sure. And I'm okay with it being an outside DC continuity and just let it be its new thing. But I don't think you can do it without Batman. And um, I fear that this is them saying it made a billion dollars. We have to do another one. And this is me as a fan saying, no, you don't. The movie's perfect. Let's let it be that great, amazing thing. Let's focus on making another movie perfect. And I just don't want Joker to be franchised. Let Joker be a part of the Batman franchise. Don't franchise the Joker. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and that's that's my big beef with it because it was such a perfect film. Um, it's a hard one for me to really extrapolate my thoughts on just because of how good it was. But my biggest thing is, look, there's this argument that when you watch a trailer for a movie or you go see a movie that was part of a franchise and you think to yourself, wow, this is all just fan service. And it is fan service. If you think about it, if you really put your head into the concept of what making a sequel is all about, is you make a movie and everyone goes, oh my gosh, that was amazing, you need to make another one, and then they do, technically... Everything after the first movie is fan service. We're not talking like, oh, they did that scene for the fans. No, they did the whole thing for the fans because they knew it would make money because fans are going to go back and see it. And the perfect example of that is Star Wars. No one believed the original Star Wars would make money. If you go look at all the documentaries, if you go look, listen to all the interviews, the studios, no one believed that Star Wars was going to make money. And then what happened? It became like a it became a global phenomenon, and they went, "Wow, we guess we have to make another one." And regardless of George wanting to tell the story he wanted to tell, it's still fan service because he made it for everybody else too. Anything after the first movie is fan service. Anything after the first anything is fan service. So, I don't want to hear. I don't like hearing fan service arguments anymore. This is a case where fan service, I think, could actually ruin the movie and you're not going to get as quality of a film. Um, nothing against Todd Phillips, nothing against Joaquin Phoenix because they're great and if they want to work together and do another movie together, I'm all for it. I don't know if the Joker is the right thing to do. I don't. And I mentioned it a week or so ago that I'm scared that the Joker is going to turn into, up oh, time to do a Riddler movie, time to do a Penguin movie, time to do a Two-Face movie, and we start going down the rogues gallery. I don't want to do that. I think the Joker is a very special case, and we made this great movie. Let's focus on making another film. Just my two cents. Okay, now, here's the big DC news. The Snyder Cut. We've made jokes about this, um, and Twitter made a big push to have the Snyder Cut released. And it was the, the people behind the movement, you know, released the Snyder Cut. Big, big, big push. And the thing that needs to be brought up with the Snyder Cut is that we joke about it. But to be completely honest, we all want to see it. I think we all feel that in a really weird way, we were robbed from getting what Zack Snyder's actual vision was. And, you know, so Zack Snyder, he makes Man of Steel... And then he makes – then while putting together Batman versus Superman, they state that the movie – their vision got so big that they had to take some extra time for Batman Superman. And whether you like the movie or not, Batman versus Superman has so many seeds laid into the film that if you know your comic book history, you, you can see what the ultimate plan is supposed to be. And if you don't know your comic book history, it's going to be like watching the Marvel movies through a second time and you're like, oh my gosh, I never noticed that before. Holy cow, well done. They put so much stuff in Batman Superman that we knew when we were getting to Justice League 
we were basically getting a trilogy, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and then Justice League. Zack Snyder made a cut of the film that we didn't get because they brought in Joss Whedon to do a final edit. So we basically get a Josh, or, or what the internet I saw this weekend referred to as the Justice League, um, because J- Joss Whedon basically did a cut of the film, and I personally think he ruined Justice League, and he took away what we were supposed to get. They've been releasing image after image after image from, or like, how about this? Zack Snyder has been releasing all these images of scenes that we never saw because the Justice League cut, the the actual Snyder cut that exists, according to him, that's a real thing, is three hours long. And the uh, Joss Whedon cut of the film is two. That means an hour of footage got cut out of the film because they, because the studio is playing it safe. So on this giant Twitter push, Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, Ben Affleck, who plays Batman, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, and Jason Momoa, Aquaman, along with Zack Snyder himself, have all voiced their support for the fan movement, imploring W the Warner Brothers to release the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. That is massive when you have these giant actors, these flagship actors, wanting you to release this cut of the film because clearly i mean heck they may have seen it they may want to see it i'm not entirely sure uh what's really important to know here is that zach they're releasing all these images and honestly i want the movie okay and i know i joke about it and i like to you know bring it up from time to time but i want the movie the problem with the snyder cut being released or not being released is that if they do, if Warner Brothers releases the movie, they have to admit that they're, they have to potentially, are, they're admitting that they were wrong. Because if that movie comes out and everyone goes, oh my goodness, this is astounding, DC then might have to backpedal and completely change everything they're doing because they didn't trust what they had in front of them. And I think that's Warner Brothers' biggest problem right now is they don't want to admit they were wrong about the Justice League even though I think they all know they were wrong about the Justice League. I really don't know. It's really hard to say. I just know that that's where I kind of sit on it, is I understand that that's where Warner Brothers is coming from, but at the same time, I really I really feel that they need to... Um, I really feel they need to release it, whether you feel think you're wrong or not. The fans want it. The actors want it. The the original director wants it. Let's do it. Here we go. So that's my piece on the Snyder Cut. I have a feeling we're not going to hear about it anytime soon. If Warner Brothers releases it, they may release it on the um, they may release it on the HBO Max streaming service, or they might release it on DC uh, Universe streaming service, which. Heck, that would probably get some subscribers on its own. I just know that I want, I if they do release it, I want it on a Blu-ray copy. Uh, Zack Snyder directed The Watchmen. Um, the Watchmen had a Zach's, basically a Zack Snyder director's cut. It's all, it's I prefer that cut over the orig- the one that released to the theaters. Um, and I just, you know, Batman vs. Superman had a Zack Snyder director's cut. Just do it just give us this one too because we all want it and um we're actually going to see what superman was supposed to look like as opposed to the weird mustache face that he had um okay uh my piece on uh, snyder cuts done for now until we hear more um so let's talk about tonight's list is everyone ready for that all right ryan it's list time roll the thing for the top five. Okay, here is the list for the night. So, with Peter being out, I don't want to talk about our list that we were going to do, because Peter picked, it was Peter's pick, and we were going to do fictional bands from movies and television. And uh, that's, uh, the idea of that list is really fun, and I've had a lot of fun putting it together. Um, So I'll tell you what we're doing next week because we actually have to – so I'm going to push Peter's list for when he's here, but I have to push it a little bit farther and I'll explain at the end. So for a last minute, throw together a list to kind of discuss things. I thought it would be kind of fun to do. This is a little bit different of an idea. So 
We have the holidays coming. By the time this episode releases, it's either going to be the week of Thanksgiving or it's going to be just after Thanksgiving. Either way, family festivities are abound, and we're going to have to stare at the faces of people that we like, don't like, have to deal with, that kind of thing. Personally, um, I'm all for uh, family parties, but sometimes uh, things happen to parties and you end up playing games. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about uh, five games to play with family at parties. Um, And I'm going to take, and this is kind of a goofy one because I'm a big gamer. And when I say gamer, I'm not just talking about me liking video games. I like all games. I want to sit down at the table and actually play a tabletop board game or a card game or, um, yeah, let's play video games. Let's throw a LAN party together and do some old school Halo with the family. That'd be awesome. Even though we know Nana is not going to be playing Halo, but the idea is still fun. What I want to say is when you get together with your family, someone always breaks out Trivial Pursuit. Okay, well, me personally, I get real bored with Trivial Pursuit kind of quickly just because I think it's kind of blah. Yeah, you get to laugh at some people for not hearing the question right and spouting out an answer that makes everyone laugh. Sure, kind of funny, but it always ends up being guys versus girls and there's a lot of screaming and yelling and whatever. I just get bored with Trivial Pursuit. That being said, I get bored pretty quickly with party games in general. I don't say that like, and I, you got to understand, I like Cards Against Humanity, for example. That's kind of a party game. But if you think about it, it's Cards Against Humanity is technically, if you've played like at least three games of it, three rounds of it, it's kind of all the same thing. So the only way it's funny is when you're playing with people who don't know the game. And not many people don't know Cards Against Humanity at this point. Um, I'm not a big Monopoly fan because everyone's problem with Monopoly is that the game never technically ends. And here you are at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, Black Friday, uh, flipping the board upside down, going, Grandma's cheating again. Um, So Monopoly just bugs me because it doesn't have an ending. There are some uh, other games that, like Clue, for example. Uh, Last Christmas, we broke out Clue only because, I'm not going to lie, there are so many people in the house that were like, I haven't played Clue in years. So we actually broke it out and played a game. It was really kind of fun. And it was really interesting to watch everyone kind of extrapolate. How does this game work? And I always liked it as a kid, but playing it as an adult, like it was just really interesting to watch how people's brains work when you play that game. So that one was kind of fun. But what I want to talk about is unconventional games that um, you don't necessarily think about. And maybe it's time to think outside the box and think about something... um, and think about something uh, uh, to, to make your brain work in a different way. Now, some of these games I'm going to bring up don't necessarily work for large groups, but if you have like a handful of people who are like, eh, I don't really want to sit in the kitchen and talk politics with the uncles because they're like now screaming about the impeachment trials, whatever, let's go in the room and play a game. Why not? That sounds fun. Um, so these are games that... I like to, that I've discovered over the years that I think are just a lot of fun when you have groups of people. And one of them is tech, two of them technically could be a party game if done correctly. So um, I'm going to throw these out. And these are kind of, uh, I have two honorable mentions and I'm going to bring these up. Um, One of them I found at Target. I'm not going to tell you where I found every game because a lot of them you could just like Google, they're on Amazon, whatever. But I was walking through Target and if you, I always wandered on the game aisle when I go into Target or Walmart, but Target lately, their game aisle has been like top notch. They've been having some really cool stuff popping up in their game aisle, and it's been kind of interesting. Um, they have, uh, like, they're selling Dungeons & Dragons stuff now. They're selling, like, these crazy card games. They're selling, like, some legit games that are, like, you find at, ga- like, you'd have to go to a specialty store to find, and Target's got them. It's really interesting. Uh, so this first game um, is an honorable mention. I call it an honorable mention because there's some conditions you have to take to play it. So it's not as simple as most games, but it's called Shadows in the Forest. Um, the idea of this game is that one player, so the game has to be played, it's a board game. One player, and it has to be, all right, it's a board game that has to be played in the dark. And you're going to say, Drew, how do you play a board game in the dark when you can't see anything? The idea is, is that 
one player is a lantern, and it's a legitimate light up. It's a play piece that legitimately lights up, and it's a lantern. And the board is a forest with trees, and as the lantern moves, the light casts shadows on the board, and the other players play as these little gnome-looking shadow creatures, and they basically have to run from the lantern and not get caught. And if they can all get together at one spot on the board without getting caught by the lantern, um, then they win. Um, and and the, whoever plays at the lantern loses. It's a really like kind of fun, think your way through strategy kind of game. Um, it's really clever. I had I the idea was cool, and then I just picked it up randomly. Like I'm bringing home this weird game, and we're gonna try it. And you turn out the lights, and you turn on the lantern. And the thing that I loved about the game was that the um, the board changes as the lantern moves because the shadows shift and move around all the objects on the board. It's really such a clever game. Um, my next honorable mention is a movie is a movie is a board game called Heroes Wanted. This is a board game that's absolutely hysterical. It was done through a Kickstarter. Um, I know you can get it on Amazon now because I've seen it. Um, this is a game where uh, the premise of the game is that, say, the Avengers or the Justice League or whatever superhero group, one of their members has passed away and they're looking for new recruits to fill that slot. And the idea is, is that everyone basically gets to create a superhero and then you have to uh, you create the superhero and then what happens is you have to fight the villain and earn fame uh, points to become famous. So then you get whoever gets basically the most famous superhero becomes the next higher on to the superhero team. The interesting part about the game is that every character gets a weakness. So... For example, when we were playing it, uh, my brother had a weakness where before he could perform one of his special moves for his character, he had to stretch. And when I say stretch, like he literally had to get up from his seat and maybe do a stretch. And if he didn't do a stretch and we caught him, then he lost points towards his uh, fame. And it <laughs> it makes the game funny because you have to. It makes you do physical things and it makes you have to interact with the other players in really bizarre ways. And it's just a really, really funny game. Um, we had a blast playing it. I've only gotten to play it like twice. Um, really cool game. So check it out if you're interested. Okay, my first actual picks of the night. So the first game I want to talk about is a game called Ticket to Ride. This is a perfect board game um, for people who want to get your parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles to think outside the box and not focus on games like Monopoly. Because when someone goes, hey, let's play a board game, someone, like I said, someone will always break out, say, Trivial Pursuit, maybe they'll break out Monopoly, maybe they'll break out a party game. This game is, think of it like Monopoly, but you're not, there's no money involved, and there's a lot of pieces on the board, but it, it makes you think and you have a good time and it's kind of a numbers game in a weird way. But the idea is, is you're building railroads and earning points based on connecting cities through your railroad track systems. Um, the game is very, very simple to play. You can learn it super quick and you'll play it many, many times. You'll get done with a round and you'll be like, that was great. We need to do that again. And the game will change at every time you play and you'll be doing different things and you'll be trying different strategies. But in the sense of a game like Monopoly or Clue or Risk or something, this is a game that makes you think differently about trying different types of games. And it's a game that I like to kind of throw to people and they like, if, if they play games, great. But if they don't play like, there's the conventional board games, the, like the standard ones that everyone plays, like Clue, Monopoly, Life, whatever. And then you get into these other ones. And this is a perfect one, in my opinion, to make people think, hey, let's go check out some of this other stuff over here because there's some really cool board games out there. And I know if you're a board gamer, you're probably listening to me talk going, yeah, we know, Drew. We know all about it. But some people don't. And that's and I find a lot of people out there are really like, oh, I don't play those kind of games. I hear you. So that's why we're talking about it. Or I'm talking about. So the next game I want to bring up is a game called Pandemic. Now, the downside of this game in terms of parties to going to with your family and be like, hey, let's play board games. You can only hit that's a small number of players. But like I said, if they're off screaming at each other in the kitchen about politics or having religious conversations on Christmas and you and a couple cousins want to run off in another room and play a game, this is an awesome game. The idea behind this game is that there are uh, global pandemic viruses taking over the earth 
And I mean, just like now. And there's a CDC in Atlanta, just like now. And every player takes place takes a part of a role of someone on a CDC team. So you might be the scientist, you might be the field medic, you might be uh, the contingency planner, you might be like, everyone has like a role. And each role has some special ability that you can do. The idea is, is that while the virus is spread, you have to try and contain the viruses and find the cure as a team and, and save the earth. What's really fun about this game, in my opinion, is that you have to play collectively with the other players. You either all win together or you all lose together. Um, there's various forms of this game. Um, there's some where they like they're very like niche to a certain area and you play like just this area or there's some that are like um, uh, rapid response, which is more of a dice game. And then there's a legacy version where you play you sit down with your friends every week and you play part of the and, it, and it's a storied game with an actual plot um but the the core game just pandemic by itself it's move your pieces around the board try and cure uh eradicate viruses search for cures find the cures and save the planet and it's very um it's actually really intense when an outbreak happens and the virus spreads real quickly it's it's just a really cool game in general um i have a lot of fun with it i think i think i've played it maybe 12 times out of the 12 times, I think I've won three, maybe four times. Like I said, you either win together or you lose together. And it's really difficult. And if you have someone, and if you're not thinking, if you're not working together as a team or don't make the right decisions, it could really set you back. And it it makes for a really incredible gaming experience. Um, it's one of those games that when you finish it, you'll definitely want to play a second time because someone's going to go, oh, wait, especially the new players. They're going to go, oh, wait, I understand how we got to do this. We got to try that again. And you end up playing a second time. Really, really fun. Um, okay, the next game I want to talk about is, it's a game called Munchkin. Um, I know I have I know I know have people listening to this uh, show that have played Munchkin. They're big fans of Munchkin. Uh, my brother Scott apparently has Munchkin tournaments, which I've never been invited to, but apparently they have like a scoreboard and everything. Um, so uh, Munchkin is basically Dungeons and Dragons light, I guess is the best way of wording it. In a really interesting way, they've taken the idea of a role-playing game, made it a card game, and then um, uh, took extrapolated some of the role-playing stuff. So basically the idea is, is that you are, you're, everyone in the, at the table is dungeon crawling. You're all in a dungeon. You're all searching for treasure and trying to kill monsters and level up and escape. And it's hilarity. Not because of the group you're with and you're getting to like talk to people and do your thing. It's hilarious because of the artwork and the descriptions on the cards and uh, the weapons you get to use. And it's you know, the, I mean, for example, like one of the weapons is called the Chainsaw of Bloody Dismemberment. That's hilarious. Or casting a curse on someone so they suddenly become, they're a male character, but now they're female, so they lose all their armor because females can't wear that armor or whatever. Like, it's really weird, funny stuff, but this is a game that can be played with tons of people. Like, this is one that doesn't really have like a care, uh, like a player cap, um, so you can have lots of people around the table. Everyone's got their cards. It's it plays really well, and there's many, many different versions of Munchkin, which what's nice about the Munchkin uh, variants is that they all can come together and be spread apart um, or, like, intertwined, interlaced. You can play them all together. So if you have, like, the zombie version of Munchkin, it can play with the original version because so, the original is kind of fantasy, and then you have a zombie version, and then you have, like, an apocalypse version, and they can all be mixed and matched together, and you can just enjoy. It's a really, really cool game. Um, it's definitely one to look at for um, hanging out with the fam and just trying to change the subject and do something different on the holidays. Um, okay, the next one I want to talk about is not a holiday game at all, unless you're discussing Halloween, but in terms of what it allows you to do, in terms of like players and things you can do here, it's a really cool idea. So the idea of this game, it's called Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Um, or uh, Betrayal of Baldur's Gate. This is a Dungeons & Dragons version of it. But the idea of this game is I'm going to talk about Betrayal at the House on the Hill because that's the version of the game I'm talking about. So uh, the idea is, is that you and all the players at the table are exploring a haunted house. 
you start in the foyer of the room and this is a board building game. So you're, all that's on the table of the house is like, all that's on the board, the only part of the board that's on the table, let me get my thoughts together, is the foyer of the house. And it's your turn and you're like, okay, well I'm gonna go this way and you turn down the hallway and then there's gonna be like a stack of tiles that you flip over and up oh, there's the next hallway or there's the next room and the board builds as you play. What's really cool about this is that you and your friends are going to be exploring rooms and exploring the house and dealing with challenges and, you know, maybe you fall into a nest of spiders or there's a ghost or there's, you know, who knows what's in this haunted house. But at some point in the game, one of the players is going to betray the group. And when the other player, when that player betrays the group, and it is different every time, there's a different scenario every time. It's always a surprise. I think there's like 70-some different scenarios that happen. But if you betray, once that player betrays the group, it becomes the group versus that one player because that one player has probably become possessed by a demon or um, drank in a potion and has now mind-controlled or who knows what happened. But it's going to be that player is going to be trying to kill the other players while the other players are trying to survive. And it becomes like this horror movie thing that happens. It is an incredibly fun game. Um, like I said, lots of different variants. Every time you play, it's going to be different every time. Not just because of the players at the table, but because of the scenarios. Um, they did do a Dungeons & Dragons version of this called Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. It's, it's almost identical um, but all the scenarios are themed towards like the fantasy role-playing thing as opposed to a haunted house. So instead of a house, you're exploring a city and all these like things in general are kind of happening. So yeah, Betrayal at the House on the Hill, Betrayal at the House on Haunted Hill, or Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, those are the two um, fantastic games. And uh, you can play with a decent amount of people. So like if you're, like I said, if you're just looking for something fun to do at a party, uh, like around the holidays, get the cousins and go sneak off in another room. Okay, the final game I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, I'm bringing this up uh, because it's made a huge resurgence in the internet and celebrities and uh, in the celebrity circles and everything, but that is Dungeons & Dragons itself. The reason this makes my list is because this is a game of social storytelling. Everyone has this, like, the media likes to look at Dungeons and & Dragons and people who aren't in the know automatically think, oh, you're sitting around in costumes and, you know, really like hardcore role-playing and speaking in weird voices and just being strange and whatever. And if you're outside, you don't really know what it is. But in all seriousness, Dungeons & Dragons is a bunch of people sitting around in their pajamas, eating snacks, drinking adult beverages, and yelling at a dice because it didn't roll the proper way you wanted to. The idea of this game, it's social storytelling. You have one person telling a story, and everyone else is a character in the story making decisions for their character. And um, the person telling the story kind of acts, he's the dungeon master, and he kind of acts as a referee. So when a dice rolls, he explains what the role means because he's watching the charts, and um, he's got all these charts and stuff that match up. So he's kind of explaining things, and the players are having a good time. And basically... You spend hours upon hours laughing and drinking and having just a great time. And, you know, and if you're looking for, and if you're just looking for a game to play, this is a great game for kids too, because it requires a lot of reading and a lot of math. And when I say a lot of math, I mean, it's simple math, like adding two or adding four, or like counting up some stuff because you have to roll the die and you got to add up some attributes and actually have a total. But ultimately... It's one of those great games for kids because when you have, let's say you have a kid struggling with math, play this game, he'll be much faster with math because you'll have to roll a die and then add some stuff up real quick and give you an answer. If you're having a kid struggling with reading, there's a lot of reading in this game because you might have to read something about your character out of a book and, um, or like you have to read one of the magic spells so you understand how it works or whatever. Um... It's just, a, it's just a good game in terms of the social dynamic, but it's a good game in terms of just having fun and laughing and having some snacks and you're not talking about religion and politics and you're getting some escape. You're getting a mental break from the world for a few hours or more. Um, we've Most of us have watched Stranger Things. They play Dungeons & Dragons and it's funny because he's like, it's a 10-hour campaign. Well, you know what? I would totally play Dungeons & Dragons with those kids for 10 hours. Um, and I think anyone who has played Dungeons & Dragons knows exactly how we feel about that. And we all would, right? Um, 
So those are my five picks for the night and my two honorable mentions. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Next week, um, Peter is most likely going to be back. Um, he uh, His list was fictional bands and fictional uh, singers from film and television. I can't do it tonight, obviously, because he's not here, so we're going to push it back to next week. Here's the catch, though. Next week's list probably is going to have a poss- – we're most likely going to have a guest, so I can't do Peter's list because we have a guest coming. Um, the guest is not 100% confirmed, but we're most likely having that guest, so I have to push Peter's list even farther back. Um so that's great. So Peter's list is going to go another week. So we'll do fix. We'll get to it at some point. Next week's list um, is going to be because of Disney Plus, the first five things we watched on Disney Plus and why. Um, I think that'll be a really cool thing. I know I talked about Mandalorian, so it's most likely going to be on my list. But the first five things I checked out on Disney Plus and the reason why I did, um, even if it's old, whether it's old or new, why not? Because there's so much content on Disney Plus to deal with. Um, so that's the list next week. And then, uh, the week after that will be Peter's fictional band list. Um, so yeah, that's about it. So here's what I want you guys to do. Check us out on our website, top5report.com. There you're going to find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with our, uh, link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. That way, uh, you can interact with the show, send us an email, um, hit us up on social media. That'd be great. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can follow me personally on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Um, we are on Google Play, Stitcher, and uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, however you want to word that. Um, there you will be able to subscribe to us. And if you do, uh, you will not miss a single episode. But at the same time, you can leave us a review. We love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better. And uh, it makes the words we say feel important. Um, for the top five report, I'm Drew. Peter's not with me, but he'll be here next time. We will see you next week. And if this landed, if my math was right and this landed on Thanksgiving, um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and happy holidays.